Welcome back to Deck Hockey Focus. We have always wondered what it takes to elevate the game when it comes to that international level, and today we will find out. Thank you all again for tuning into Deck Hockey Focus. This is Ryan Shackelford, which makes me Eric Mock. Uh, and today we had the privilege of sitting down with George Grotzos uh, of the, I would say someone who is at the absolute pinnacle of the game. Yeah, the president of the uh, International Street and Ball Hockey Federation. Absolute pleasure and our honor to bring him on. George, how are you? Fantastic. All right. Well, glad to have you on. Um, so real quick, uh, just kind of want to introduce everybody, if they don't already know, to uh, George, uh, president of ISBHF. So you mind if you don't mind for a second, just telling us your background, who you are, and kind of how you grew into the game and your current role as president. Well, it's a big honor to be here. My name is George Gortzos. I'm the president of the ISBHF. And I'm hoping to reach uh, the young uh, uh, Becky Dobsons of tomorrow, uh, Johnny Ruiz's, the uh, great young players, and the players who just play the game for fun. Uh, with my story. I've been uh, in this sport for uh, 40 years at the highest level, and now I just play for fun. But I'm also uh, the international president, and I'm um, a, a volunteer working for all the uh, nonprofit national sport organizations that I report to. Um, and it's a big honor for me to be talking to the USA family because I feel that the USA family, uh, uh, as it coalesces under USA Ball Hockey, is going to be a great organization to help us keep this game growing. Um, you got, how did I start? I started just like everybody else, playing in my neighborhood here in uh, northern Toronto, Willowdale. It was a hockey uh, neighborhood. Um, uh, Steve Shutt grew up there, Mark Napier. Um, I was playing ball hockey against uh, Daryl Evans, who is uh, uh, an ex-LA King and I think is the LA King announcer now. Um, uh, we had a great little league uh, that I played in, and, you know, uh, we won that league, and at 23-24, I was thinking, is this it? Is this all I got? Can I just... And I did my homework, and I think it's important that players do their homework, and I found out there was and an Ontario association that was linked to a Canadian association. So uh, I basically took my team into that realm and we got educated pretty quick that we weren't the best. We were pretty good, but back then in the mid eighties, ball hockey here was um, where a lot of uh, ice hockey players in the international league, I guess the equivalent would be the East coast league would be uh, doing their summer training along with ball hockey players and, uh, um, you know, pure ball hockey players. And the league was contact. Uh, it was, there was a three-foot uh, line on the outside of the rink where you couldn't hit somebody, but it was full-on contact. And uh, it was not, it was a fierce game. And it was, I'd say back then in the 80s, Canada had, about 40 great teams across the nation. And to be the best, you really had to apply yourself. And thankfully, 
the forefathers and mothers of the sport decided to make it non-contact because it wasn't going to grow uh, <laughs> with the, the physical contact that was going on back then. And um, I had to make a decision because my great um, team from my neighborhood wasn't going to be good enough. Uh, great guys. They were my childhood friends. And I got selected to play on a team called the Midas Top Guns. Uh, I was uh, handpicked and brought on the team with the late Rob Mintis and Chicky Mintis. They were like my brothers back then. And we played on this legendary team. And um, we ended up going to the Canadian Championships. And it was an education to play on what was known as the best team in Ontario or Canada, because every game you had to come ready to play. And, um, you know, from there, you know, I ended up playing on national championships, winning national championships, but I always tell, and I, and I'm going to go back to this before I allow you guys to ask me a question. <laughs> when I coached Canada, I would go across Canada to run camps and I would say to the players, if you would have told me when I was 20 that I would have been all over Canada uh, playing for national championships, then uh, representing Canada, being the captain of the first team that won a world championship, and then coaching Canada the four world championships, followed by being the president of the ISBHF for ten, almost 10 years now, um, and being all over the world, I would have said you're crazy. But <laughs> the evolution of the sport. Here right? I am talking to you guys. And you know what? I want the girls and the boys out there to 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 understand that this game can give you a lot, not only in what you search out to find out how good you are or just to play fun for fun, but it can also help you in your life. I mean I'm I'm 58 going on 59. I still play for fun. I played 57 ball hockey games this year. And it, it's like a vitamin of health for me. Now that's awesome. So, go, go, going back to what I said, if you would have told me when I was 20, I guess my message to the kids out there is, hey, if you love this sport like I did, there's, you know, you just don't know what's ahead. Go out there. And, and enjoy it. Absolutely. And I, th I think uh, just you personally are a testament to that, what that growth model could be. Absolutely. I mean, going from a player to how many gold medal winning coaches, coaching NHL players, future pro ice players, and then the president of, you know, the, inter well, the international and it all, level. And it all starts with the discipline that you learn, you know, at the younger ages and the work ethic that you not only put in physically, uh, but, but you know, mentally and even relationship building within a team and, you know, being held accountable. And then people can springboard that on into their further careers, whether it just be uh, in everyday, you know, professional life or, you know, as a president of a, <laughs> of a top level organization. Yeah, definitely. So actually, let's parlay that and talk mm -hmm. about what what are the roles and responsibilities of the president of the International Streetball Hockey Federation? What does that mean? Well, um, the the president of the ISBHF is an elected position. It's um, a volunteer. I'm a volunteer. Um, I'm proud to serve um, at the direction and the, the union of discussion of the boards that put 
money into developing the sport. And I need the young people of, of today to understand that these national organizations, uh, the Czech organization, the Slovak, the Swiss, the CBHA, and now the U- USA ball hockey put upwards to 20 to 25,000 uh, as a group U.S. dollars for us to develop the sport and to d- drive the agenda of the sport. All those organizations are what are called nonprofit organizations that may, may have for-profit uh, organizations under them or not-for-profit, but they themselves are a democratic organization. Each of those nations, along with uh, a couple other board members who are elected from all our other nations, create a board. And we meet monthly, and we drive the agenda of the sport. I don't vote, but I use my experience and my moral positive suasion to drive the agenda towards what we have to do as a sport to get it to where we want to get it to. And that's to the Olympic elevator. Now, whether that's the Olympics or the World Youth Games or the Asian Pacific Games or whatever, when you get there, you are in the pantheon of all the world sports, the FIFAs, the FIBAs, et cetera, et cetera. And they actually all meet every year and we want to get there. We're only 23 years old, but we are now driving that agenda to, to get there. And through the, the, the generosity, the benevolence, and we're, we're not just talking money. Uh, these five lead organizations of which USA ball hockey is one, the time all those ambassadors along with me, put in on these meetings. These are two, three hour meetings. Uh, we're going to have our annual general meeting. Um, I've, uh, you know, uh, and this is important for the young players of today to educate themselves and understand what's going on, especially in today's world, uh, that for us, uh, this is the only organization in the world for our sport that does it this way. Um, they've actually now put term limits on the president, so uh, I can run for one more term. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the proof is in the pudding for us. Uh, the board I started with is now being replaced by a young board. So all these organizations of ambassadors in every every year, so I'm dealing with a, a, a great young group of leaders that when it's my time to leave, and that will be soon, uh, you know, um, I think that we, our sport will be in a great um, place. And uh, I really, with this group, driven it towards the Olympic elevator. And one final thing, when I first got elected, the number one thing I said, and I remember it was in Paris. I was right by the Eiffel Tower uh, in the Czech embassy. Like, it's mind-blowing. That was the first time I got elected. I said, the number one thing this sport needs is a USA group that works as a national organization and brings together 
all the families of USA ball hockey to be in union for the betterment of that country, for the betterment of their players, and also to be a driver of the international agenda. And I think um, I'm quite proud of uh, that whole organization because they're, they're, they're aboard and they're driving USA towards that. No, absolutely. And uh, obviously you can tell not only your passion, but uh, you know that leadership you're exuding and exhibiting is what's really kind of growing that. And not only, I mean, financially, like you talked about, those countries that are investing, but their time alone. But I do want to just kind of parlay that last statement you made about the United States and talk about just real quick the induction of USA ball hockey into the ISBHF and what does that mean for us here in the United States, but also on the international level? Well, first of all, you have to realize uh, all the international families, more than anything, uh, wanted to see an organization that was going to bring USA Ball High, going to be kind of like a, a, a gathering spot where a democratic, uh, you know, constitution, elected officials, a think tank. And I think uh, besides the fact that the, the USA is going to be a level four nation, they, with a, as a level four nation, because they, they are investing in the sport, they automatically get a board spot in our organization for that goodwill. Uh, but what will it do for, for the USA is it will bring people together. It will give uh, all the avenues of the game an opportunity to come together, whether it's regionally, whether it's the types of play, three on three, five on five. Um, and, it, you know, it is our hope that this organization will bring all these leaders together to, to, to drive where the USA is going, and also to uh, help drive the international agenda. For instance, um, if three-on-three becomes, and I'm hopeful it does, become a part of USA ball hockey, then as one of the key level four partners of our family, they can be the people that bring the three-on-three, along with everything else they're doing at five-on-five to the table, and and we can start those discussions, right? So, you know, for me, uh, what I'm hoping is that player in California or Texas or Chicago or in Iowa, Iowa where you're at or wherever feels like they are attached to this international body through USA ball hockey. And they can feel like when they see world championships or they can go to masters championships or to, you know, three on three, like they feel like they're all a part of this great ball hockey family. Oh, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of uh, one of the next questions is more future state of what is your kind of thought process or, you know, plan, so to speak, of like maybe the growth model. Well, um, exactly. We've seen, we've already seen some of that starting to take place yeah. with, I mean, us here stranded in the Midwest, as we feel sometimes, you know, now um, being in contact a lot more between the three on three guys, the five on five guys, even bringing in some new ice players and things. So, I mean, 
Um, what, I mean, what's the strategy to kind of bring everyone together? Well, the strategy, uh, first of all, for me at the ISBHF is to make sure that our, our uh, properties are what we do as a world championship or when we do events, that they are run uh, in an excellent fashion for our players. And the reason why they're run well is because the countries that uh, run these events are proud to host them. Um, and they're, they partner up with their, their governments and, uh, you know, the ISBHF events are, are, are professionally run and we're not professional. What can be done as a growth model is more uh, individualistic amongst each nation because you have to realize USA Ball Hockey has never had a union that, rep, that tries to coalesce everybody. The CDHA has been a union since 1977. The Czechs have been a union since the 90s, the Slovaks, the, the Swiss. So they've had time to build their models. Um, with USA Ball Hockey, you're dealing with uh, this beautiful new uh, child with a lot of possibilities. And the possibilities really are yours and that should be exciting for you and I'm for the players, right? Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, uh, I always said, you know, um, as a player and I'm talking about me, I, you know, when I was talking about, I was playing in my neighborhood and we were winning championships, you know, you can, as a player, you can fool yourself and say, Hey, I'm the best in the world or I'm very good. Uh, if you satisfy yourself to know that what you are playing is the best, I wasn't happy with that. When I, when I wanted as a player to know that I could say I was the best, I wanted to understand where the best played. And I wanted to understand totally where I had to go as a player to get there. So now here I am at 58 the last 15, 20 years, like, I mean, when I coached, I stopped playing, but now I'm playing again. I know I don't have to tell anybody that I was playing against the best. And I was part of teams that won five Canadian championships and, you know, uh, a world championship and coached before world championship. That gives me a lot of, you know, when I think about it, it makes me feel good. You know, there's a lot of championships out there, but there's only one place where you really truly know that you're the best. And if you, as a player, want to really truly walk around and say you're the best, well, you better find out where that is. And you better get your ass over there to, to, to make sure that you can say you are the best. And this is where the players have to educate themselves. And this is where I think USA ball hockey is going to be great for all the players out there because they need to know there's a truthful voice out there that isn't just there just to jerk them along, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's important. And, you know, for me, 
I hope that the players out there who aspire to be the best in the world know that it's right here at the ISBHF. The competitive spirit is alive and well in North America. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, like you hit at, uh, we're all weekend warriors here too, right? We have day jobs. We use the term at work, it's called better together. And mm-hmm. I think that almost summarizes what we we're just talking about between mm-hmm. five on five, three on three, Iowa, California, Texas, the East Coast. How do we know what the USA is going to be better if we're not doing it together? So and many I, pockets of talent bringing them together. Exactly. And I think that's what yeah. is heading at. But uh, certainly. Well, and you, and you know what, guys? I think I was talking to you before we started. When I coached Canada, and it was a great honor. When you, and one day, let's say you guys are coaching. Uh, hopefully when you are part of USA ball hockey, the three on three team that represents USA at the under 18 or the end, when you coach a national team, for me, I, I felt very strongly that I had to go out and, and go across Canada, this big country here in Canada and give guys at that time a chance to play for Canada. So I ran camps and I, I remember back then I did it through the internet and I would say, do you have, uh, like my poster said, do you have what it takes? And I mean, we would run those camps. We did fitness testing. Uh, I I practiced them into my kind of like ball possession, thought process, attacking ball hockey. I taught them what they needed to know about international ball hockey. And then we, we put them on teams. We, we had trainers that made the dress rooms feel like they were in an international. I wanted those players to feel that. And then after running those camps and in my, from 2000 to 2006, I ran 20 camps and the money that those players paid went right in beside their expenses. We went into the national team program, but more importantly, it built our depth. I found a lot of players, but any player that would come to the camp would get a response back from me, what they needed to work on, what, what, uh, you know, where they were fitness wise. And it really allowed Canada in this, you know, the Czechs, the Slovaks, they're amazing players. The Finns now are coming. The UK is growing quickly. The Swiss are coming. USA is a, you know, going to be, has been and will be even more of a powerhouse to win against the best. That depth, that, uh, you know, I would, I would run these camps and then I would bring the best 60 players together uh, for a final camp and make them earn their way. While Canada uh, won four world championships in a row and has not won since I've left as a coach and the camp program has not been run in Canada. I'm hearing that they're going to run it, but you guys were talking, reaching all areas of the USA. I think that's exactly what the mindset should be. There's a kid sitting, let's say in New Mexico, who loves hockey, doesn't know about this. He could be a phenom. She could be a phenom. We got to get to them. I think it speaks to the accessibility of the sport. And like you were saying, uh, that constructive feedback and constructive criticism Mm -hmm. of how do you develop that player who might be on the cusp of making that national team and being an elite player, but just doesn't know how to get there yet or doesn't understand the fine tuning. And 
I think what you're talking about in that coaching, those camps and that strategy is what led to that success and something I think all countries should develop. Mm -hmm. Well, and there, I'm sure there are kids out there today that, you know, they might not even have access to the hockey world and ball hockey can be, you know, that first outlet avenue, that first dip. So instead of this kid going off uh, and being a superstar soccer player or a superstar baseball player, we want them with a stick in their hand. Absolutely. And, well, and here's where, uh, you know, the five-on-five five and the three-on-three three being a, a union in USA could be uh, to your betterment because there may be pockets where they don't have a lot of players and three-on-three three may be the only way you get them in. And for me, internationally, with my international family, let's say I'm dealing with a country like uh, that's, that's a member with us now, like, uh, you know, uh, Algeria. They may they may want to only attend a three on three ISBHF championship, and that's okay, right? So, you know, I think it's about building platforms and understanding that those platforms in union are to our betterment, and the thought process has to be even for a league operator who's usually very careful about. Uh, you know, protecting his or her uh, business. I think it's good business to be together because you're only going to create more energy and more interest. And, the uh, you know, as you build that platform, and uh, I'm hopeful guys like yourselves are in it with the great people in USA Ball Hockey has, like, I'm going to tell you guys, the people they got are so well respected uh, and fantastic people. What you guys could do, guys and gals could do together, I, I mean, I'm going to be sitting back watching, you know, uh, uh, hopefully I get voted in for my final two years, but I'll be sit, sitting back there watching, cheering and watching. And I think the sky's the limit. I really do. And who wins? When the players support a union uh, like USA Ball Hockey, and let's face it, uh, a democratic organization uh, that works together, pushes the agenda, builds the legislation, the sky's the limit. It really is. And the players will benefit. Uh, so, absolutely agree. I think that that level of transparency you're talking about for the United States, Canada, Europe, all those countries we're talking about, the more each of us grow individually, mm -hmm. and the better it is collectively. So that level of transparency is absolutely amazing. But speaking of the Piedmont, so to speak, or the apex mm -hmm. for amateur athletes, I, I think everybody collectively agrees that's the Olympics. Oh, absolutely. So is there, I know there's the dream and the idea of the Olympics, but is there a plan or process and thought to get this you know, sport what does it take? to that level? What does it take to get over the hurdle? Well, we're, we've already, uh, again, we're the only organization that's doing this. We've met with them. We've gone over. We've studied. We know what needs to be done. We're asking it of our federations. Essentially, you know, uh, USA Ball Hockey is, uh, you know, just newly born, but they're already a nonprofit organization. They have a constitution. They, they, you know, I'm sure they'll have an annual general meeting. They have to have all their financials audited. 
These are what organizations need to do. And sooner or later, uh, when it's right for USA Ball Hockey, they're going to have to go to uh, the major sporting organization of uh, the USA to get vested as the organization that runs ball hockey for the USA. When we have a certain number of those, we're going to be able to get, as a union, uh, to the table with the FIFAs and the FIBAs and et cetera. Uh, so we're in the process now where we're about, uh, you know, in the next six to 12 months, about 50% of the way uh, where we need to be. So we're, you know, as a 23-year-old international organization, we've changed, we're evolving. We understand now that we need certain criteria uh, to build what's called the National Sport Organization. And uh, no longer can it just be, uh, you know, Johnny come lately, who's a president of whatever, and just runs the organization by themselves, for themselves. It just doesn't work. You're not going to do it. And it has to be under a nonprofit sport, sporting organization. Uh, so that has democracy and, and, and has financial, uh, uh, you know, uh, audits done on its finances. So um, where we go with this, the sky's the limit. Uh, um, I think our sport is an interesting sport. I think with the five-on-five and three-on-three, it gives that, you know, if three-on-three comes on board, uh, it gives us a viability to be able to maybe be involved uh, in different types of uh, events that the Olympics run. You know, they're, they're, they're getting onto the street games. They're getting onto, uh, you know, the, 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 the smaller, uh, you know, uh, three on three stuff. Uh, you know, the five on five has, could have its place here or there, but anyway, to get on the Olympic elevator, we need to get, our national sport organizations, and we need uh, 20 of those to be at observer status, and we need 40 to become a full member. So we're working on that. Well, that's good. We've seen, I mean, speaking to the effect of the Olympics, I think when most people think Olympic-level hockey, they're obviously thinking ice, and we've seen what the capabilities of the USA and Canada as well, you know, so to speak, what they're capable of on the ice. So what I want you to do for me is make the pitch to the 12 year old ice hockey player who is, you know, looking to springboard forward as they start to develop into an adult. And what is the benefit to an ice hockey player of taking off the skates? Well, uh, you know, for me, I, you know, besides everything else, I did coach AAA ice hockey here. So I had guys like Mike Camilleri on my team and uh, playing at the highest level. So I understand it. And I, I also played at the highest level and coached at the highest level. And the guy that really comes to me right away is Alexander Burroughs. I mean, I coached Alexander when he was uh, 20 to 23. Um, and I guess that's the best example I can give, uh, in that Alexander's growth through understanding how to position his body and to move, uh, traverse the, 
the, the flora, bark, and, and the uh, fitness level he needed to be at, I think without ball hockey, um, I think his road would have been a little bit more difficult than it was. And like, I, I, I think ball hockey helped Alexander, uh, in his confidence, uh, in his ability to know that when we were playing at the world level, he was playing at a level that he knew he would have to play at the American hockey league. And, and, and it really helped catapult him. And I think the sport itself, uh, for a young girl or a young boy is a great sport because, uh, you know, you have to run, you have to use your body positioning. You have to understand how to handle the ball, giving goals, uh, run off the ball. There's so many benefits, uh, that ball hockey, uh, gives. And, you know, I can't even, uh, start to name all the players I played against who went, went into the NHL that played ball hockey. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to add to that. You know, um, you, know you see that more recently with like Cowan Wild, who is playing in Toronto, former EC, uh, ECHR yeah. who just retired. Mike Monfredo, who used to play here locally, um, actually just got traded from Orlando to South Carolina. He's big into the sport. And you right. can see the longevity of their careers because during the summertime, they're not only in the gym, they've got a ball in their hand as well. Absolutely. Well, I got another guy that I played against that ended up having a great NHL career was Glenn Metropolitan. You know, like he played, uh, you know, when I was playing on the front of the Rangers and we were knocking heads against the Midnight Express, uh, you know, we played against each other, um, you know, uh, and it was, uh, uh, he helped playing ball hockey, he helped Glenn uh, move to that next level, you know, and hey, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, when I played for Canada, I played against the late Pavel Dimitro. Let me tell you, he was a good ball hockey player, but you know, there were some other guys that played in the NHL and uh, I won't mention them that weren't as good as us top level ball hockey players, you know? Uh, so some players, uh, you know, are very good uh, at both. Some are good at one and some are good at the other. But for those that are able to maneuver themselves and have the passion to do the running of ball hockey, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, ben benefits. And I can't think of a guy that, that garnered more of a benefit than Alex. And let me tell you, he was a joy to coach. Alex was a wonderful guy. Well, um, and obviously a great ambassador for the sport and still is with mm -hmm. his, you know, the Burroughs tour and everything he's still doing for the game and heavily involved. Mm -hmm. um, we've nice had enough to come on the show with yeah. us and give us a little bump there too. So I we've mean, had a pleasure of bringing him on and, uh, you know, meeting him. So, uh, you know, just his approach to the game and that background speaks volumes to what can be done with the sport. Well, and you know, here, here's the thing about Alex and, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he runs that, um, three on three in Quebec, but he is not part of our family, unfortunately, you know, there, and again, this is something that will have to be decided between the Canadian Ball Hockey Association who puts in 
a lot of time and money into the ISBHF. And I'm hoping that people like Alex and the three-on-three organizations come into our organization and we take off and go running um, as 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 a family. But I cannot... You know, I'm never going to be the one to to, to uh, uh, overstep my bounds. I I respect each nation. I respect the challenges that they have. But my hopes is exactly, I think, where you guys are. The benefits of being together far outweigh uh, not. And I will tell you, Another thing, it's easy for people to say, oh, yeah, this sport should be in the Olympics. <laughs> I want you guys to understand what I'm saying. Yeah. There is no other organization in the world for our sport that is doing the hard slogging and the work, uh, fundamental work that needs to be done to get us to where we need to go other than the ISBHF. No other organization has the democracy, the the financial check, uh, and the meeting of the minds, the union of the minds to to lead the sport forward. We're the only one, and I say that in all like in a humble way, because it's a lot of hard work. Well, it's what it takes to get the sport going forward, and I guarantee you if anybody had any doubts about uh, if we were heading in the right direction or if there was uh, passionate people behind the wheel. I think we might have clarified that I think one. <laughs> we've got clarity now, exactly. Um, but, I mean, I mean, it just seems like you've had such a... I mean, it seems like you've lived a thousand lifetimes just in the course of this interview, and I feel like I've taken that journey uh, with you, as Shackelford, I'm sure, would agree, but... If you had to put your thumb down on one moment in time that you could travel back and relive it one more time, what would you say is the highlight? Wow. Uh, you know what? Yeah. That's the first time. Uh, Look at this. <laughs> the, 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 highlight, the highlight is that ball hockey has been my life. I mean, the best way I can do it is to say to the players out there exactly where I started. Like, you know, it's kind of unbelievable to believe uh, what what I've been part of, the peop- the great people I've met. But, you know, uh, from somebody that just plays the game and just plays it for fun, for instance, you know, when I moved from that team that was my neighborhood team to the big team, well, I had to make some sacrifices. I had to stop drinking beer. I went, I, I, I read a book by Dr. Robert Haas called Eat to Win, which taught me I had to drink lots of water, eat properly, prepare properly. I wanted to become a ball hockey machine. I learned how to get my body ready to perform at a high level. Then, uh, you know, when I coached, I stopped playing altogether. I wanted to concentrate on coaching, you know, teaching the, the, the guys what I, what I learned. And now... As I age and I'm still playing and I'm volunteering and I'm trying to lead the sport with all these great young leaders around me, I realize, hey, you know what? I still got to try now as I get older 
I got to change my, you know, what I eat a little bit because it's, I'm not burning off fat the way I used to. And I want to keep playing, but, you know, after about 4,000 games, my legs are starting to hurt. And this year I played 58, 57 games, uh, you know, and maybe next year I got to play 40, 45. I got to, I got to really, but what is that? That's a ball hockey life. So, it's given me health. Uh, I have a very demanding job uh, that it's giving, given me an education to be able to work in the different team units I am in at work. So you guys are talking to me about, I mean, it's just been a ball hockey life. And it's, you know, I, I owe my health to it. I owe my work life to it. I own the fact that I've gotten to see the world and see some amazing ball hockey games and players and be part of them as a player. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing this family grow now with this USA ball hockey thing. And, uh, you know, um, as I come down the runway here, I think uh, the game is now... There's, there's so many possibilities. And for me, uh, I think that's, I, I feel that's the greatest thing I feel. I feel very hopeful for the players of tomorrow that, uh, their leaders and they have to push their leaders to get part of this whole big family and get it rolling even stronger towards where we need to take this beautiful game. So I'm sorry, guys. I, it's been a life. Of ball Oh, that's okay. And, uh, you know, I definitely appreciate the candidness there. And if I were to just summarize that statement, is it fair to say it's not an actual moment in time, but time itself and your involvement in the game that is yeah. has been the most rewarding for you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's taught me how to deal with adversity. Hey, listen, uh, you know, life hasn't been always easy there's ups and downs but what what helps me through it and i want the young players to understand ball hockey is a great escape it's a great place to go and see the great gang of girls or guys that you, you know will put a smile on your face you go play you go pot a, a goal or you you set up a couple assists and you go home and uh all of a sudden you forgot a little bit about all those things, and it helps you. It gives you strength, right? And there's the health element. I mean, um, I'm convinced at my age, you know, I've never had a, a major uh, issue. I had no knee problems, but then again, I was a fitness freak. I really trained football hockey, and I ate properly. I drank my water. Uh, I did not... Uh, uh, go out there uh, during the season in, in our heyday we were playing 100 games in the summer I wasn't eating burgers I wasn't eating desserts I was eating properly I found the time you know when I should eat uh, uh, and get ready to play It was, and you know what I still think that way and I think it helps me right? It, uh, it, it's my ball hockey has given me my fundamental it's my, it's been my, my life clock, you know, and it's been 40 years. Uh, you know what, guys, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do when, when, you know, my term ends. 
Um, but you know what? Maybe it's time for me to find out. But geez, it's been one hell of a ride. Well, you've certainly got our vote, that's for sure. Well, George, we uh, definitely appreciate you having on. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor for us here at Deck Hockey Focus to be having this conversation, an in-depth conversation, with somebody which clearly a leader in the community and the breadth of experience you have. Like, honestly, this last half hour has just been a learning experience for me personally and definitely appreciate it. It's super important for people to see what's behind the the works as well and just the passion that, you know, is kind of guiding the sport. Yep. Well, guys, uh, I hope to see uh, the girls and the guys of of all our families come together. And I look forward to you guys walking up to me one day saying, hey, uh, you know, a lot of people call me coach. They go, hey, coach, I'm here now. And uh, I think that'll put a smile on my face because I know you guys uh, bring kids and get them out playing uh, and at the end of the day, that's what we want. We need to get the children out there playing, running, doing stuff. And it's a lot uh, to the betterment of our society that, that uh, you know, they play this great game of ball hockey because it is a great game. And I think it's a lot of fun. So I thank you for what you do. <clears throat> and I look forward to hopefully hearing news that you're part of this great USA ball hockey family that's, going to be an awesome organization for the players of your country. And there, there's some wonderful players in that country. And we want to, we want to get them all part of the ISBHF family. So thank you guys. Oh, thank you. And like I said, it's been our absolute honor and pleasure to have you on. And uh, honestly, I do hope one day we can walk up and call you coach and meet you in person, sir. All right, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you, George. I want to reiterate again what a a privilege it was to sit down with George today. His passion for the game uh, just exudes out. I mean, leave leave it to a Canadian to get me feeling so patriotic. (laughs) No, uh, and honestly, I think that's probably the best way we can round out 2019 here. Um, Looking forward to 2020. Just wanted to, from everybody at Deck Hockey Focus, say thank you to you guys for our growth this year and our continued success. We look forward to 2020. And as we round out the year, just wanted to say, please have a happy and safe holiday. Looking forward to the future. Your thoughts? Yes. Don't 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 forget uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, everything we have is on Deck Hockey Focus, as well as on all the, the major applications, iTunes, SoundCloud, stuff like that. So don't forget to look us up there and subscribe. It really does help us out a lot. Just want to wish everyone a happy holiday, and we'll see you guys next year.